0: Please remain standing and pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you this evening we began the the great days of our salvation, an old, familiar story, but Lord, may you, by your spirit, breathe new life into us, for as we've heard just recently, this is the night. May the reality of that night so long ago settle deep in our souls and transform us to be more like Jesus. Come now and anoint me, your servant, O God, for I know my very best is still a big heaping pile of filthy rags before you. Well, I give you my filthy rags, Lord, do your work tonight among us for your glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Anyone else enjoying the pollen as much as me? (laughs) I guess so. 247 million Americans call themselves Christians. But Jesus calls us to be disciples, a follower, a learner. He gives us examples tonight, and they all point to one thing that is the defining mark of a disciple, love like Jesus loves, love. And some of the greatest composers of the 20th century penned a very good song, and the band Van Halen, of course. Everybody's looking for something, something to fill in the holes. We think a lot, but don't talk much about it till things are out of control. How do I know when it's love? Fortunately, there's Google. So I Googled, how do I know when it's love? I love that Google thing. And uh, miracle of all miracles, the very first thing that popped up on my search was E Harmony. <laughs> so that piqued my interest greatly. So I scanning through their little—you uh, can't call it a brochure; it's a web page—and they have a checklist of how to determine if it's love. Van Halen has got their answer. number one there will be mutual respect okay trust number two number three acceptance number four selflessness number five companionship number six and I, I really struggle with number six effortless attraction and passion well for me it took two years of being in hot pursuit trying to convince Shello that I was the man. There was nothing effortless about it. (laughs) Number seven, good teamwork. Go Team Kramer. Compatibility. And after you read through this checklist, eHarmony has done the greatest thing in the world. They paved the way for finding real love with a compatibility quiz. I didn't take the quiz but I hate to burst E Harmony's bubble but tonight we will see true love we will see it we will experience it it will be tangible you will feel it on your feet you'll hold it in your hands you will taste it in your mouth because I pray that you will see not any of us Or whoever washes your feet. But see Jesus. Because he's all about love. And this is what this night is about. He's giving us these wonderful examples. And this love is so strong. Another great thinker. Much like myself. Yeah, right. (laughs) He said these words and he's also a pretty good musician, he's Jimi Hendrix, he said this, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace, well-being, wholeness. Pretty good for a left-handed guy. And Monday, Thursday, Jesus says to us tonight, I give you an example that you should do two things he shares with us. One we see often, the other we see once a year. The first one we see once a year, anybody take a guess? Foot washing. And this challenges our idea of greatness. It confronts us because we tend to equate greatness Through achievements or possessions or status. Even the disciples fell into this. In Luke's account, they were arguing over who was greater than the other. And I could hear them in my head all this week. That's right, I hear voices in my head. (laughs) Matthew, the former tax collector. Guys, you know, I've got all the money. I must be the greatest. Remember that banquet I gave Jesus? Jesus. You remember my name back on the street? Bankroll Maddie? (laughs) Peter would chime up. Yeah, right. For don't forget, I walked on the water. I have to be the greatest. And Thomas would shoot him down and say, You also sank. (laughs) John, my man. John would say, guys. He hugs me the most. I'm the greatest. And Andrew, the quiet one in the background, would pipe up Don't forget, I found him first. We all want to be great, don't we? But Jesus shares with us tonight in this action of foot washing that greatness is in service. No job, too small. Or beneath him, no flaunting of power, but lavishly loving, hard-headed disciples. It reminded me of the days I was being indoctrinated with Dave Thomas's theology when I was at Wendy's, square hamburgers. Yeah, that's Dave Thomas. The drive-through window was his idea, so all of us lazy Americans don't have to get out of the car. But Dave Thomas was asked, what makes you so great at your business? And without hesitation, he replied, why, ma'am, it is my MBA. To which she replied, I didn't think you went to school. Well, no, I didn't. My MBA is my mop-bucket attitude. No job is too small for me to do. And Jesus shows, that us, shows us that tonight. He shows us why we are here, to serve. Society tells us we are here to get stuff, consume stuff, and show that stuff off. We all have that desire, don't we, to be recognized and applauded. But Jesus says, service is greatness. And that being a servant doesn't mean saying yes to everybody. But it does mean being a contributor to the well-being and success of the person God brings into your life, brings your way. We contribute to their well-being and their success. And Jesus gets down on his knees and demonstrates this love through service. In foot washing, the way we do it, it seems kind of gentle and nice, comfortable and cozy. I'm sure everybody washed their feet before they came here. I got the loofah out and scrubbed mine. But in Jesus' day, it was not that comfortable and cozy. It was reserved for pretty much the lowest ranking servant in the house because it was a nasty job. They had open shoes, walking on dirty roads everywhere with organic fertilizer all throughout the roads. And I don't see the disciples hanging out in the shop getting pedicures very often. I don't think it was very pleasant, it wasn't glamorous. No one else wanted to do it, but Jesus did. Because this love doesn't need a glamorous place. Jesus' love needs a needy place. And Susanna Wesley sums it up very well, and this is a quote I often think on throughout the days. When she was asked about the success of her two sons and how she was just kind of In the background. And she replied with this. I am content to occupy a small place. If God be glorified. I am content to occupy a small place. If God be glorified. That's service. That's Jesus' love serving. The next thing we see this evening that Jesus gives to us that we see regularly is the Eucharist, the Holy Communion. And This, as foot washing challenges our idea of greatness, this challenges our motivations. Because we're all born with three very important motivating factors. Me, myself, and I. Anybody who's had children knows it doesn't take long for that selfish, stubborn streak to show itself. Mine, I want it. Grab it. Especially if you have more than one child. Whatever the one child holds, guess what the other child wants? Whatever's in the hand of their brother or sister. It could be a stick. I've seen it. I want that stick she has. We're driven by those desires and we desire to be promoted and everybody to see our self-worth and look at me. And our society really feeds into this. When we first moved back to the United States from the Philippines, Michael, back there, he went to a, a golf camp at Winston Lake. He was, I don't know, maybe elementary school, sixth grade or something. And it was really good, very good thing, man, it was nice. And on the last day, they were giving out the award for the longest drive, the best putter, the most improved. And then all of a sudden, there's this whole big box, and everybody's getting an award. I was like, wow, Michael, what award did you get? Uh, Participation. He got something else, too, I don't remember. All I remember is everybody got a participation trophy, because we love to be recognized, even for just showing up. We want to feel good about ourselves for just showing up. But today, Jesus reminds us in, in the Eucharist that he takes bread and wine and essentially he says, this is me and I give it to you. All that he is is ours. He ever lives to continually Give himself away. How many people do you know like that? One. Jesus. And what do we live for? Our next vacation? To get new stuff? A promotion? Better job? Newer car? You can live that kind of life, and I like to call it the Electrolux life. You're always sucking things in, but you're never going to get full. Anybody remember Electrolux vacuum cleaners? We don't need more. We need to live a Eucharistic life. Giving ourselves away. Investing ourselves in others. Jesus spent almost three and a half years investing himself in 12 men. No, he did other things. But he invested in those 12 men. 12 men. We need to live a Eucharistic life. And if you're like me, you need help on how to do that. I need help in a lot of things. But I, I read a lot about St. Ignatius. I got attracted to him first because I liked his name, Ignatius. I was like, why couldn't my mom call me Ignatius. That'd be cool. Ignatius Kramer. But he offers us some very serious help on how to live Eucharistically, sacrificially, investing ourself in those God brings in our path. And the first thing that he says, it's probably not the first thing, it's the first thing I'm going to say that he said. <laughs> he says, don't get caught up in how you think you need to be, and what you ought to be doing. That often entangles us up. We struggle. This is not how I need to be. This is not what I need to be doing. How many times have you said that? I say it about 27,000 times a day. (laughs) But he did say, don't think about those things, but abandon yourself to the grace of God. Abandon yourself to the grace of God. Leave yourself to the grace of God. Don't worry, you don't have the dream job. You've abandoned yourself to the grace of God. Don't worry, somebody's talking about you all the time. Join the club, man. It's a great club to be in. Abandon yourself to the grace of God. And then he challenges us. Today, daily offer God our memory, our will, and our understanding. Why those three things I thought? And the more I thought about it, and I've been pondering these things for like months now, years. Memory, will, and understanding. Why our memory? Because that's our past. And I don't know about you, I don't have a whole lot of things in my past to look back on and go, wow, I did a really good job there. There's probably a lot of hurt in your past. A lot of missed opportunities in your past. A lot of train wrecks that maybe you yourself have even caused. You offer it to God. Because your past is, guess what? It's past. We don't have to live there. Your will. Your will. Offering God your will. What is our will? It's that part of us that chooses. Our chooser. It's much like, I'll put it to you this way at the rescue mission where I work, we get a lot of donations, and three days a week, we are very blessed to get donations from Whole Foods. Whole Foods, the $27 cupcakes, (laughs) the $7 baguette. And they have this one item that I really enjoy quite too much. It is this maple-glazed cake donut. It is so good. It makes me want to pack my bags and move to Canada. (laughs) Kevin said, That's right. (laughs) It is so good. Now, my desire is to not eat multiple of those donuts. I set the bar low, guys. Not to eat multiple, that's my desire. But my will, there's multiple donuts. The chooser chooses multiple donuts. And God wants that part of us. That's why we offer it to him. God, I don't really want to make choices. In fact, one person told me this a long time ago. Disciples don't have decisions to make, only instructions to follow. That's why we offer God that will, that choosing, that chooser that's in us. God, I'll follow. You show me, I follow. Our understanding, the last thing. Why our understanding? Because that's how we view things. That's how we interpret things. That's how we see people and situations. And we offer that to God so that we won't see from our perspective, but we'll see from God's perspective. And if we offer God our memory, our will, and our understanding, this wonderful thing happens. You're at Jesus' disposal to love as he loves. Tonight we will see these examples or life lessons that Jesus shows us tonight the humble service of washing feet, the Eucharistic living of giving ourselves away, love stooping down to change our lives. And we're called to do the same thing. And I close this evening with some words of Mother Teresa, and I turned it into a prayer. Pray with me. May we all be pencils in the hand of God with which he can write his story. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.